Welcome, welcome back to A Crash Investigation, the podcast, the show where we dissect and discuss prominent crashes in aviation history. I'm your host, Kai Jordan, and in today's episode, we are going to be discussing China Airlines Flight 611, the crew, the crash, the investigation, and it's about to be very intense for real. But before we continue, don't forget to rate us five stars on the podcast platform that you're listening to us on. And yes, this is the second last episode of the year. Next year, I'm going to be coming back on the 5th or on the 8th. I'll just let you know in the final episode. So just stay tuned for that. And don't forget to check out our links to our Patreon, Buy Me A Coffee, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. Links will be in the description box below in a link three link. So don't be afraid to click on it. And without wasting any more of your time, let us officially get started. It is the greatest aviation mystery of all time lies a massive passenger jet and the remains of its 239 passengers and crew. Uh, good morning, we have a smoke uh, problem and we're doing emergency descent to level 150. In December 1988, a passenger airliner was bombed over Scotland in what was one of the largest pre-9-11 terrorist attacks. Airlines Flight 611 was a scheduled flight for the 25th of May 2000. Its origin was Taiwan, Taiwan International Airport, Taiwan, and its destination was Hong Kong International Airport, Hong Kong, China. The aircraft used was the Boeing 747-209B, and I have to add that the 747 is never, ever, ever going to be built ever again, so that's really sad, but I just wanted to add that in there since we're talking about a 747. The call sign of this flight, now listen, the call sign is so majestic. The call sign of this flight was Dynasty 611. Usually they just say China 611 or like United, I don't know, United the flight. Instead, like with this one, they decided to give it like a really nice and exotic name like Dynasty. So it's really kind of cool to tell you the truth. But I'm still going to be referring to this flight as both Dynasty 611 and Flight 611 because sometimes I just feel like Dynasty 611 is a little bit too long for me. The crew. The captain of this flight was Yi Ching Fong, who was 51 years old at the time of the crash. His flying experience is, and I quote, he joined China Airlines on 1 March 1991 as a first officer. In March 1997, he was upgraded to captain. The medical certificate issued by the Aviation Medical Center reveals that CM1, or the captain, required corrective lenses while exercising the privileges of his airman certificate, end quote. In total, he had 10,148 total flight hours with 4,732 hours on the Boeing 747. He did not take any medications and he actually had 24 hours of duty, so probably... Fatigue was not the cause of this crash. The first officer of this flight was She Yang Shong, sorry if I said that wrong, who 
was 52 years old at the time of the crash. And I quote, he joined China Airlines on 1 February 1990 as a first officer. The medical certificate issued by the Aviation Medical Center reveals that CM2, or the first officer, required corrective lenses while exercising the privileges of his airman certificate. He had a total of 10,173 total flight hours, and I could not find the amount of flight hours he had on the 747, but he was incredibly healthy and he did not smoke nor drink. He also had 24 hours of duty. The flight engineer was Chao Sen Kyo, Rang again, who was 54 years old at the time of the crash, and I quote, he joined China Airlines on March 1st. 1997 as a flight engineer. The medical certificate issued by the Aviation Medical Center reveals that CM3, or the flight engineer, required corrective lenses while exercising the privileges of his airman certificate, end quote. In total, he had 19,117 total flight hours, and just like the first officer, I could not find the amount of hours he had on the Boeing 747 specifically. He also did not drink alcohol and he did not take any medications. There was one person and 15 flight attendants and all of those people were properly trained to do their jobs in this flight. In total, there were 206 passengers on board. The flight. At 3 minutes to 3 p.m. 6 seconds, Dynasty 611 is cleared for takeoff. At 7 minutes past 3 p.m., China Airlines takes off from runway 6. At 8 minutes past 3 p.m., the crew contacts the Taipei approach and they are instructed to fly directly to Charlie. At 16 minutes past 3 p.m., the Taipei aircraft controller then instructs Dynasty 611 to climb to 35,000 feet or 10,668 meters and to maintain that altitude. This was acknowledged by the crew. At 28 minutes to 4 p.m., communication is lost between the air traffic controller and China Airlines Flight 611. There was a lot of panic due to the loss of communication and this resulted in a search and rescue team being deployed. At 6 p.m., the floating wreckage was spotted in the sea, 23 nautical miles, 43 kilometers or 49 miles northeast of the Pengu Islands. Unfortunately, that was Dynasty 611 and everyone on board had died. Now, the reason why this portion of this episode is so short is because the final report itself had nothing. To be honest with you, like it summarized the history of the flight. And I'm so sorry that I'm also summarizing the history of the flight. But like, that's essentially what the final report gave to me, which is incredibly suspicious, but also it's not. So I just wanted to add that in there. This crash was investigated by the Civil Aeronautics Administration, or the CAA. So the meteorological information at CKS Airport, and I quote, 3 p.m. type record, wind 070 degrees at 12 knots, 22 kilometers an hour or 14 miles per hour. Visibility more than 10 kilometers or 6 miles. Clouds few, 4,000 feet or 1,219 meters broken, 8,000 feet or 2,438 meters. Temperature 28 degrees Celsius or 82 degrees Fahrenheit, 2.15 degrees Celsius or 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Trend forecast, no significant change, end quote. Meaning that the weather was good enough to fly and that weather did not cause this crash. So when it comes to the wreckage information, and I quote, 
The upper portion of the door was recovered with the hinge intact and the actuators in the closed position. The lower portion of the door, including three forward pairs of latches, was recovered, still latched, and the locks engaged. Only a few pieces of the skin and stringers remained on the frames. The lower AFT portion of the door, including the AFT pair of latches, was found separately. The lower portion of the door skin was bent outward approximately in 45 degrees. Examination of the hinge latches and the other mechanisms was consistent with the AFT cargo door being closed at the time of the aircraft breakup. End quote. This basically means that this crash was not caused by a cargo door opening mid-flight. And we all know from like past episodes, I don't think I actually ever covered a crash that was caused by a cargo door opening. Probably cover that next year. But either way, um, this one, this crash was not caused by a cargo door. But there are some instances whereby when a cargo door opens, it causes a massive decompression. And sometimes a plane goes down. Not even sometimes, just like most of the time the plane goes down, unfortunately. Then I'm not done because there's still some more in terms of the wreckage information and I quote, The right horizontal stabilizer or RHS is considerably more damaged than the left horizontal stabilizer or LHS. The inboard portion of the RHS leading edge is deformed upwards. At the root of the RHS, the inboard 10 feet or 3 meters showed considerable impact damage along with upward deformation of the compromised structure. A portion of seat support was found inside a puncture common to the lower surface of the LHS. A small segment of fuselage stringer was also found embedded in the RHS elevator. A small fastener and shim from a storage bin assembly were found inside a puncture common to the RHS leading edge. End quote. So the pathological information. 175 bodies were found first and the bodies of the crew were autopsied but there was no drugs no medications in their system so the investigation and the examination of the wreckage further so there were different types of theories that the investigators were throwing around to say hey maybe this plane went down because of this maybe it went down because of that and we're going to go through some of them right now so the first one that they tried to, you know, investigate further was a mid-air collision. And we all know from a past episode, yes, I did. I remember doing one um about the Grand Canyon disaster that a mid-air collision can definitely bring a plane down and kill a lot of people. So five radar stations around Dynasty Flight 611's flight path showed that there was no object or objects that were approaching the aircraft and there was no wreckage from any other aircraft found in the vicinity of China Airlines Flight 611. Therefore, this was not the cause of the crash. Number two, engine failure. And yes, engine failure, I can go back to the one with Sally Salenberger. I cannot remember it right now, but... It's the miracle on the Hudson. Definitely, I can remember that, but I don't remember the actual flight. But FDR data from the engines was explored and it was investigated and they resulted that there was no evidence of engine failure. Number three, a fuel tank explosion. So, a small puncture was found in the fuselage. This was the same puncture that was found from TWA Flight 800. And... I did an episode about TWA Flight 800 in detail, but to summarize all of that, 
TWF Flight 800, something went wrong in terms of the fueling system, which resulted in an explosion inside the, fuels inside the fuel tanks, which thus caused the plane to go down. So, therefore, due to the small puncture that was found on China Airlines Flight 611's fuselage, they suspected that a fuel tank explosion happened like that of TWA Flight 800. They decided to investigate the center fuel tank and it was actually intact until impact with the water. There was no accumulation of soot, which would be the evidence of heat or fire damage, aka explosion. Therefore, they decided to scrap the fact that a fuel tank explosion happened and they probably just concluded that that was just some damage from the impact with the water. So then the investigators now still stuck. They did not know what to do. They decided to go to the flight recorders. They then noticed that at 27 minutes past 3 p.m., the CVR, which is the cockpit voice recorder, and the FDR, which is the flight data recorder, stopped recording. It showed that there was damage to electrical wiring of the fuselage when the aircraft was breaking up. They decided after all of the, oh, what if it's a medical collision? What if it's a da 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 da? They decided to inspect the fuselage carefully and like properly, and they discovered a fatigue crack on the fuselage. Now, it wasn't just one fatigue crack, it was like a lot of fatigue cracks, and they, the total, like the total distance of the fatigue cracks combined was 25,4 inches or 65 centimeters. Now, the biggest one was 15,1 inches or 38,3 centimeters. And this was a continuous crack and there were smaller fatigue cracks resulting from this bigger crack. There was like a lot of scratches also on the underside of the aircraft and the cracks were at or close to the row of fasteners that they were used to repair the aeroplane now essentially these cracks that are formed by the row of fasteners they are known as terrace rises and a little bit of history with this aircraft 22 years before the flight took place the accident aircraft's tail became damaged so this aircraft was thus taken to taiwan the next day and it was temporarily repaired now in May of 1980, the permanent repair was done. However, this was not done with the proper standards of Boeing and this resulted in the aeroplane being more susceptible to fatigue cracking, which is the 15-inch crack, which thus resulted in the sprouting of different small cracks, which thus weakened the fuselage and there was actually more cracking in the lower AFT fuselage. Maintenance error... Yeah, it's a maintenance error. Let's go through the findings. Okay, so number one, the flight crew and cabin crew members were properly certified in accordance with applicable CAA regulations and CAL company requirements. CAL is China Airlines. Number two, this accident bears no relationship with acts of or equipment of the air traffic control services. Number three, this accident bears no relationship with the actions or operations by the flight crew or cabin crew members. Number four, 
the possibilities of a mid-air collision, engine failure or separation, cabin overpressurization, cargo door opening, adverse weather or natural phenomena, explosive device, fuel tank explosion, hazardous cargo or dangerous goods were ruled out as potentials of this in-flight breakup accident. Number five. There was no indication of penetration of fragments, residue, chemicals, or burns that could be associated with a high-energy explosion or fire within the aircraft. Number six, there was a problem in communication between Boeing Commercial Aeroplane Company and CAL or China Airlines regarding the tail strike repair in 1980. The Boeing Field Service representatives would have seen the scratches on the underside of the aircraft. However, the opportunity to provide expert advice on a critical repair appears to have been lost as there is no record to show that the FSR or field service representative had a role in providing advice on the permanent repair. Number seven, as demonstrated in the case of CL611 or China Airlines Flight 611, the accident aircraft had a serious hidden structural defect. High-frequency eddy current inspection is not able to detect cracks through a doubler. The crack would still not be detected if external high-frequency eddy current had been used for structure inspection. Therefore, a more efficient non-destructive structural inspection method should be developed in order to improve the capability of detection of hidden structural defects. And number eight, due to the oriental culture and lack of legal authority to request autopsy, the autopsy was conducted only on the three flight crew members, end quote. So the cause of the crash was improper maintenance when repairing the tail. Now, this was also the lack of monitoring the maintenance procedures by relevant authorities, with the relevant authorities being the CAA and Boeing themselves. So the recommendations, and I quote, The ASC strongly recommends that all civil aviation accident investigation agencies to collaborate with their regulatory authorities to take appropriate action in requiring all operators of transport category aircrafts with pressure vessel repairs. Identified as a result of structural damage other than those recovered by Boeing Service Bulletin documentation for an immediate inspection on the repaired area to determine whether any hidden damage is present. An improper treated scratch on the aircraft pressure vessel skin, especially if covered under a repair doubler, could be a hidden damage that might develop into fatigue crack and eventually causing structural failure. To China Airlines, number one. Perform structural repairs according to the SRM or other regulatory agency approved methods without deviation and perform damage assessment in accordance with the approved regulations, procedures, and best practices. Number two, review the record keeping system to ensure that all maintenance activities have been properly recorded. Number three, enhance maintenance crew's awareness with regard to the irregular shape of the aircraft structure as well as any potential signs that may indicate hidden structural damage. To Civil Aeronautics Administration or CAA and the Republic of China. Number one, consider reviewing its inspection procedure for maintenance records. This should be done with a view to ensuring that the carrier systems are adequate and are of operating efficiently to make certain that the timelessness and completeness of the continuing airworthiness programs for their aircraft are being met. 
Number two, ensure that the process of determining implementation threshold for mandatory continuing awareness information such as RAP or Repair Assessment Program includes safety aspects, operational factors, and the uncertainty factors in workmanship and inspection. The information of the analysis should be used to determine the threshold should be fully documented. Number three, encourage operators to establish a mechanism to manage their maintenance record-keeping system in order to provide a clear view for inspector auditor conducting records reviews. And number four, encourage operators to assess and implement safety-related airworthiness requirements at the earliest practicable time, end quote. And that is the end of today's episode, and that is the end of the story of China Airlines Flight 611, a.k.a. Dynasty Flight 611. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you learned a lot. I hope that you learned a lot about maintenance and how important maintenance is, because if you don't maintain an aircraft properly, it leads to fatigue cracking. But thanks so much for listening once again. Don't forget to rate us five stars on the podcast platform of your choice. Don't forget to try and support the podcast by checking out our Patreon and buy me a coffee. Thank you so much for listening once again. This is our second last episode of the year, so I hope that you are excited for better things to come next year. I've been your host, Kai Jordan, and I'll catch you next week, Saturday, at half past four Central African time. Cheers!